welcome. You're listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're a team of five badass women who will be your sommeliers to the marketing world. We work and whiteboard together at our nine to five every day in B2B marketing. We're a small, scrappy team that's picked up a few secret hacks along the way, and we want to share our crazy ideas with you. Let's call it an anything but ordinary guide to marketing and design. From Chardonnay to Rosé, we've got your marketing sips and design tips. Now that's worth raising a glass to. So grab your favorite vino and join us. Hi, everybody. and Welcome back to another episode of the Wine and Whiteboard podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be a memorable marketing intern. So over the course of our careers, we've had quite a few interns and some of us have been interns ourselves in the past. So we wanted to kind of set the record straight and say not all interns are created equal. So what does it take to stand out and what does it take to be a really helpful, impactful intern that really contributes to a team and really makes a dent in team goals and leaves a lasting impression on the business? So we put our heads together and we came up with eight ways that you can really level up and be noticeable when you're an intern uh, that can really help you get the most out of your experience. But of course, as always, before we dive in, we want to share what we're drinking today. So I started today. <laughs> Let me be clear. I did not start my day with this drink. I um, I poured it later today, not during, um, not first thing in the morning. But I am drinking a local Michigan wine. It's called, it's from Leonel Cellars. And it's called Apple Spiced Witches Brew. So definitely in the fall vibe right now. It's really good. The winery does make another form of witch's brew which was their original blend and that was more of a deep red that you serve warm this one can be served chilled or warm i haven't had it warm yet but it's really good i do recommend it if you're looking for a fall drink i don't know how far they ship out or how far their distribution goes but i would highly look into leonel cellars apple spiced witch's brew if you have the opportunity to so I'm not sure if Witch's Brew is a Michigan thing, like, or I just didn't really drink it in Minnesota, but I didn't actually know that was a thing until I moved here. So maybe I, if someone, what? I think it's I think it's just the name of their of the wine. Like I think it's their branding. Like it's not like a uh, wine type. Uh, it's like what they call the wine because it doesn't. Ha- it's not like a. It's not like a cab or a Chardonnay. It's like they branded it Witch's Brew. So I don't think it's okay. Got it. It's like a spiced mold wine. It's not super spiced, so you can like heat it up and add your own mulling spices or like cinnamon sticks or whatever to it. But yeah. I guess I didn't think about it being like a Michigan thing, but it might be. Maybe. <laughs> well, you. I think you can heat it up in like a pan on the stove or like we've, we've all been together and I think did it in like a crock pot before or something like that. You're not supposed to boil it, but like I think you can just heat it up in the crock pot. So the first time I met Chet's coworkers and friends, we went to this guy's house and they had witch's brew. And he was like, okay, give me your glass. And I was like, what the fuck is this? It's on a stove? Like, I don't know what I want hot wine. So I didn't know what it was first off. And then I grab it and I immediately spill it all over his brand new white carpet. So <laughs> great first impression. And now I definitely own that, that spray that's like a wine release spray so you can get stains out. I bring it with me whenever I think I'm going to be at someone's house. <laughs> so I, know, I did have a really good one this weekend. They took apple cider and added a ton of brown sugar, 
cinnamon and butter. Pretty sure this person yeah. added like, a stick of butter, which is probably why it was so good. And they heated it up on the stove. I'm pretty sure they made it boil, which you're not supposed to do. But it was good. And then you put they put like a shot and a half of the screwball peanut butter whiskey, which sounds really gross and weird. But it made this like creamy kind of like peanut butter caramel apple concoction. It was delicious. I could have drank so much of that. I never would think to put butter in wine. No. It's like the Paula Deen version of mulled wine. Or brown <laughs> sugar. Why would you think that that's going in a beverage? Actually, it was cider. They put it in cider. Like, just regular cider. I misspoke. But still, it was. we didn't understand that there was butter in there either. I probably drank, like, a stick myself. I was just like, mmm. So creamy. Why is this so good? Um, Paige, so you spilled witch's brew on someone's white carpet. Didn't Charlotte spill wine on your white carpet one time? Oh my god, I forgot. I thought that was going to be the first time I ever went over to Paige's. Like, I feel like Paige, I feel like you were still like kind of new. I don't know. I felt like such a jerk. I totally spilled red wine all over like a white rug. And I was like, oh my gosh. Because Witch's Brew is like a deep red. Like, it's not like a light red. Paige, as a person who has animals, how do you have a white rug? Or when Charlotte spilled it, did that make the white rug go away and you went with other colors? No, it's, I mean, it's like a light gray, to be honest. But like, I wouldn't obviously do white. My whole house is pretty much like shades of gray, um, like the Fifty Shades of Gray. Um, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Gray. Yeah. But Some I mean, yes, of course. My dog doesn't shed, so there's that. And my cat that actually spends time with us is white, and the other one's black, and she like hides every time, you know. So it doesn't. Her hair isn't in the living room. But I definitely judged her and made fun of Charlotte for many, many months after that happened and maybe she hasn't been invited over since not on purpose i was about to say true but i don't think that's true i have been no, doing I know. Since. um, um so, on that note Paige, what are you drinking yeah so i am drinking a bourbon barreled aged chardonnay it's a mouthful we did a bourbon aged cab when we were in vacation for zion last couple weeks ago crazy it's been so long but that was really good. My husband loves bourbon. So I was like, okay, well, this makes sense. And it you can definitely tell it's like a bourbon flavor to it. And it's a lot like deeper. I don't know how to describe it, but recommend if you guys want to try it out if you like the liquors. Does it kind of burn? Like, does it have like that little burn kind of aftertaste like bourbon does? The beginning, like the first couple sips did. And then after that, you get used to it and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. Hmm, interesting. Yeah. This summer I had Shorts Brewery had this special edition Jameson like infused like sour beer. So they had brewed it in Jameson casks. Like so that was kind of interesting. It was definitely I did not taste any Jameson in it though. So I don't know if maybe your wine was in the barrel maybe a little bit longer. So it got more of that compared to the Jameson ones. But so it wasn't bad. I was kind of more leaning for more Jameson, but it wasn't too bad. But so on that same note, instead of drinking wine, I am drinking a beer today because it is kind of nice outside, but also I'm still keeping with the fall season and doing an Oktoberfest to drink today. I'm also being festive with Oktoberfest. I was not prepared with my beverage for this episode, 
mom life is taking up a lot of time. So yeah, I went and found a um, party leftover that was in the corner of the basement. It was pink sparkling Moscato and I think I'm past that point of my life. So yeah, Bell's Oktoberfest is my beverage of the day. For a second, Katie, I thought you said you went and pounded, like, either a beer or wine. And I was like, oh, gosh. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Mom life. (laughs) This will be a fun episode if Katie did. So this is Sarah, and today I'm drinking the Breeze. Breeze? Why do I never know how to say this? It's the B-R-Y-S. We figured out it's Breeze. It is Breeze. Yeah. We'll go with Breeze. It's their Cab Merlot, their 2017 Cab Merlot. They are a Michigan favorite from the Old Mission Peninsula where Charlotte and I grew up, although we didn't grow up on the peninsula. Neither of us were so fortunate, but whatever. <laughs> Anyways, they do like to say that this wine is 100% state, a state grown and less than a mile from the shores of Lake Michigan. So you can think of that while you're drinking your Cab Merlot. And we got it when we went up north for a... For Labor Day weekend, and we went wine touring. I really enjoy that wine. I just had six bottles delivered on Saturday. <laughs> that sounds so good. I try that. And how many of those six bottles are left? I actually haven't opened any. I was toying between opening it today, and then I was like, it's nice out. I'll have uh, just a beer instead. So, yeah, the real test is to see how long these six bottles actually last me. But I do have another shipment coming from the other wine subscription tomorrow. So oh I'm just going to be stacked with wine for a little while. How do you store it? Like, do you have a your own, like, bar downstairs? Do you have, like, a wine set up? So it used to be our old, like, entertainment stand. But I've kind of just transposed it into a bar area. So I have all different glasses and then it has like a X in there and that's where I store all my bottles. So I can store 26-ish bottles. So I got, that's good to go. Nice. Yeah. My husband's starting to get into bourbons, unfortunately. It's an expensive habit. (laughs) And we decided we needed to have our bourbon and wine separate because we have them in like the same area and we kept fighting over who could access what. So I gave him his own shelf. Now I have my own shelf. And so instead I had to move my baking supplies out of the room because it wasn't working with our bourbon. So, you know, priorities. (laughs) Who needs to bake when you have bourbon? Yeah. Yeah. If anyone has pieces of furniture they've turned into creative wine storage, please send us your pictures. It sounds like Paige might need some inspiration other than her shelf since Kelly has her entertainment turned wine cellar yeah because there's a whole other compartment that's like a glass door and that's where we keep all of our whiskey and like gins and all that other stuff in there so it's nice i feel like we need a picture of this to share it on social so people can see this diy entertainment center turned bar wine liquor store so with that we should probably jump into our first tip trick step i don't know what to call it But our first tip to being a standout intern. So step number one is to be willing to learn. Because at the end of the day, that's really what interns are there for. You're there to gain experience and you're there to learn new things and get advice and have mentors and all of that type of good stuff. So the more willing and eager and excited you are to learn and embrace that, the better off you're going to be. Nothing turns someone off more if you think you know everything as an intern. Like, 
we've had a few instances with interns that came in and they're like, I am the shit. And we're like, no, you're not really the shit. You're learning. You're an intern. Like, please take a step back, come at it from a learning perspective, and you'll do so much better in your internship. We promise. Paige, I think the word you're looking for is marketing guru. Believe it or not, we've actually had someone start as an intern and in their profile when they sent it out to the whole company to explain who they are and what they do, they said they were a marketing guru as an intern. And I mean, that was the first step where we were like, oh no, we're in for a rough, rough go of this. Well, and it wasn't just us either, right? Like the way that was perceived by other individuals in the organization was kind of like, oh, whoa, okay. So you're here to learn and you're here to like interact with everybody. Like it just didn't set a good tone right off the bat. So I think that's something to be aware of is how do you position yourself and how do you what you say and do really matters. And sometimes you're under a microscope as an intern just because you're new. And therefore, people pay a little bit more attention to some of the things that you do or say. So, Charlotte, if you feel otherwise, you've done a lot more hiring than I have. But I feel like when an intern is going in for an interview and when you're hiring or looking to hire an intern, you aren't so much looking for um, an intern or someone that's in college to have experience, but you're more looking for someone who has like an open mind and is willing to learn things and is setting goals for themselves and wanting to develop professionally. So I, at least when I was applying for internships and even uh, some jobs that I've had later in my career, I will be the first to admit I may not have the most experience in what you are looking for me to accomplish, but I'm a quick learner and I'm willing to learn. So I hope that that's something that you see value in. I've said that multiple times and I feel like that just shows that you can be open to new ideas and you're willing to work in a team environment and that essentially you are coachable and a pleasant person to work with. And I'm just going to answer, I mean, we point out that we clearly don't know everything, right? We're still learning as we go. So maybe it works for other people who aren't as open and honest that they don't clearly know everything to have an intern say that they know everything. But from our perspective, if we clearly don't know everything and an intern comes in and tells us that they know everything, that's probably not going to go off too well. That's exactly right. And Katie, it's really funny that you said like when we're hiring, because I think I have already self-proclaimed in previous episodes that I am not great at hiring. It is not a strength of mine. Like I somehow got lucky with all of you guys and I didn't hire all of you. Some of you like came from other areas and all that stuff. But I agree that I think that's one of the first things that all of us look for when we're interviewing, whether it's freelancers or other or new team members is that willingness to just learn and learn quickly and be flexible and open-minded and also asking questions. Because I think being able to ask those good questions shows that you're curious and that demonstrates that you're willing to learn versus you just saying those words. Besides being willing to learn, you need to share what you want to learn and experience through the internship with whoever you're working with, whether it's your leader, your mentor, or the team as a whole, if they know more of what you want to learn, they'll help prioritize projects that will actually help you achieve those skill sets. So for example, if you want to learn about website design, we would help 
hook our intern up with Paige and she would help teach them some of the ins and outs of website design and give them small projects that would help them build their skills along the way. That way you're getting something that's real, that actually helps the team out, but also helps you learn a skill that you can take into a future job. And if you go to an interview and you actually took the time to outline things that you do want to learn and the people that are looking to hire you aren't willing to help you reach those goals, then that might not be a good fit. And that's okay. So maybe keep searching if it's not going to be a good fit for you. I was asked those questions when I applied for one of my internships. I did many over my time in college, but my last one was in the Netherlands and there was like a three, like a three day interview process. Like it was really a big thing. And they asked us all these specific questions of like what we were wanting to get out of it, what we could do with website design already. Like what are our skills that we want to, you know, take to the next level? What do we think being in the Netherlands could help us as designers? Like there was a pretty big process. So if you came prepared and you knew what you wanted to get out of the experience, you're going to have a better chance of getting that. And luckily I was able to get it selected and I went to the Netherlands for six months. So like huge experiences can come out of internships and really fun ones too, if you can get away with it. Well, and I think one way to approach it too is when you're interviewing or when once you is to really think about the people that are going to be overseeing you and your activities as mentors versus bosses, because I think that shows, that demonstrates just in your terminology that you're using, that you're looking to learn. And it also helps shift your perspective. And it can also help shift the perspective of the people that are overseeing your activities, because if they just think that you perceive them as their boss, then they're probably more likely to tell you what to do versus coach. So you can help set the tone for the experience that you have by just switching your mindset slightly because your career is something to really invest in. And that's one way to get started in that because these mentors could be long lasting relationships. Because like, for example, one of the companies I interned with when I was in college actually reached out to me. They didn't offer me a job when I was done with my internship because I didn't have budget and all of that stuff. They were a small company. However, a year and a half or two years down the road, they actually reached out to me and offered me a job. So think of it as like an investment and a long-term relationship because you're going to get more out of it, not only in the short term, but also the long term. And they could network with other people that are in their web. Like, we not, may not be able to have you start with us afterwards because of X, Y, and Z, but I know this person over here who's looking for someone entry level. Like there are those things too to consider and make sure you don't write it off or you think of it like a clock in, clock out situation because that can just get really tedious and like no one wants to have you working for them like that or being the employee. So that probably leads us into tip number two, which is be coachable. So a big piece of that, I was going to say big aspect, but a big piece of that is to ask for feedback and feedback is key because that's going to help you continue to grow and it's going to show that you want to learn. And it's also going to give you more pointed and specific areas for you to focus on, to grow into, and also to help you get used to the process because it is something that happens in real workplaces and it's best to start learning that while you're interning so that you can get into 
the flow or the best practice of asking for feedback and also receiving it because it does take practice to effectively receive feedback in a way that where you don't get defensive and where you can actually absorb it, reflect on it and say, is this a piece of feedback that I need to act on? So it's, it's best practice to definitely start asking for feedback during your internships. And we know that not everybody's going to be comfortable asking for feedback in a large group setting. It's definitely something to get used to and get comfortable with. So if it's more of one-on-one -on -one feedback from your, your boss, mentor, whoever it is who's overseeing you on a that might make more sense and just do a one-on-one -on -one meeting with them every week, every couple weeks. So maybe think through those things. It's also important to think about feedback as your mentor or your boss is giving it to you because they care about you and they truly want to see you grow and expand and become better. I mean, hopefully they're giving it to you in that framework. If they're not, then maybe take it with a grain of salt. I'm trying to think of like high school and college. If you didn't really play a sport, I don't know where you would receive like a bunch of like coaching and feedback. So I think that re receiving feedback on your work in an internship is a completely new territory and I've admitted before that I'm a sensitive person and receiving feedback for me like it was definitely difficult in the beginning unfortunately I don't really feel like a couple of my internships and maybe like my first full-time job I don't feel like I received a lot of feedback like I think that my managers just kind of like let me do whatever and I didn't ask for it so that's my fault and I probably didn't grow as much as I could have I really don't feel like I started receiving a lot of feedback and growing until I started working on this team so if it would have been something I was getting all along then maybe I don't know I could have progressed and developed a little bit faster so I definitely see it as a missed opportunity of my past but I'm glad that it's part of my career now I think that's so true, Katie. Paige is probably one of the only people that really received feedback going way back to college, I feel like, because of design critiques. I mean, I did too, but I feel like since I feel like I didn't become a designer or artist per se, I don't know, for some reason that hasn't felt as applicable. You get used to it. I mean, if you hear it on a weekly basis or twice a week, it's like once you hear critique after critique, it's like, Okay, you can kind of like set that aside and take it as something as like a growth or a career step instead of as like personal attack. But it's something definitely to get used to because in the beginning I was like, oh shit, these people are bitches. Like, you know, it's definitely not received as great. And it's not like negative. It's just things that you don't know, right? Like when I first started writing emails, I didn't know that oh, if you don't have a CTA or a call to action for an email, then maybe you should rethink why you're sending it. Like if, if you're just sending it and not having a goal in mind or an outcome in mind, then, then what are you sending it for? And I just don't feel like I knew that. It's like, oh, I just wanted to send them this blog post for because I thought it was cool. But like, I didn't really know what I was hoping for. And that's a good example. I don't think that was something that actually happened. But it's not bad. It's just you don't know what you don't know. Well, Katie, that's actually a really good, a really good point, because feedback essentially is just a form of communication. That's all it is. And it just happens to be a form of communication that provides something for you to work on or feedback is also positive. So maybe it's reinforcing something that you've done well. So I think just thinking about feedback in general as communication 
can be helpful and that it's not this standalone horrible thing that should be something that's intimidating or scary because we have had interns that over communicate as well as some that under communicate. It can be a little crazy when you have an intern who asks you questions every 30 seconds. Like, I know I said ask questions before, but there is a balance between taking initiative and jumping in and doing things versus asking a question for every single little thing that you're unsure of, because that's going to show that you lack some critical thinking or ability to make decisions. And then in addition, if, if you have interns that under communicate, sometimes we don't know what you're working on or we don't understand the progress you're making. Or if you've hit a wall, we don't understand how we can help you unless you speak up. So I think when you think of feedback, definitely bucket it into that communication because all of that is really critical. It's more about asking like strategic questions. You know, that's something that I feel like, oh, okay, that's something I definitely, they don't, they shouldn't know at this point in their career. I want to help them, give them that next step. But then there's questions of like, dude, you could have Googled that or like, you know, like certain things that just kind of like get on your nerve when you hear the same type of questions every 30 seconds. Like we said, it was like a, uh. so definitely think through what you're asking before you do it, because we want you to ask questions. That's the whole part of an internship. But just think strategically about what those questions are, maybe. I feel like we should create coffee mugs that say, did you Google it on them? Yes. <laughs> Because I feel like we say that all the time and it's so true. And sometimes people just need a reminder that before you go ask a question, unless it's a very specific question that's like specifically related to your business or your internal processes or something, did you Google it? Because guarantee somebody else has figured it out. So use the internet. I think we're going to cover it a little bit later, but it's important to understand the project itself and what what the expected outcomes are and the goals and what you're trying to accomplish. I think those are all questions that are okay to ask. Maybe create yourself a checklist essentially to like be like the goal of this, the expected outcome, the deadline. Like I know it sounds really basic, but we still have to do this sometimes because you can miss all those details if you didn't ask like the who, what, where, when, why questions to get you started. And those are things that you probably can't go out and Google. And I was just not to bring it back, but I thought Katie's coaching analogy was really good because we've been watching a lot of Top Chef here all the way from the beginning, like way back in like 2001, 2006, when the people had their flip phones. And this one guy was like a professional volleyball player. And he compared like the team dynamic of when you're cooking to like volleyball, right? Because you have these team dynamics. So I don't know, just going back to what Charlotte was talking about with communication, you have to make sure that your team is all on the same page. And when you're an intern, you're a part of that team. And it's not always up to your bosses and your mentors to pull the things out of you. Sometimes you have to share the information and make sure you're speaking up, obviously not overstepping and over speaking, but make sure you're sharing where you're at and the things that you need help with. Because I know along the way, even when I wasn't an intern, I definitely have lacked, I don't know if initiative is the right word, but I felt uncomfortable speaking out and asking the questions for fear of feeling dumb. And if you, I feel like you do yourself a disservice and you don't probably get as far along as you should have or could have if you had just asked the question in the beginning without like spinning your wheels. And sometimes you need someone to help you build that framework or whatever it might be. And then you can really dive into it. So. I think that tails us into step three, which is be a problem solver. You're talking about asking questions and making sure to maybe be that problem solver and think strategic before 
you know, bugging your, your boss mentor or whatever. So I would like to say this is a stupid question, but I would also like to say, please Google it first if it makes sense. There really isn't anything you can't find on the internet. And we, all of us, probably Google things on a daily basis. I mean, I can answer my questions so much quicker than bugging all four of you guys with something. So definitely before you throw your hands up on something, before you ask the team, maybe try and do this first. And if you can't get that step or that check mark done, then come back to the team and have a, a big, solid plan. Which we've already kind of mentioned this, Googling it. That's mm-hmm. always a good spot to start, you know, to be a problem solver. There really isn't anything that you can't find out there on Google. And I think that there's probably every day that when we were in the office together, we were always like, did somebody at least Google that? That was just a common phrase that we had in our office. Even if you're trying to find something about a specific product, like Zoom or something, I feel like Google is more helpful than the actual FAQs on most of the websites. So, like, I was trying to find a Zoom issue, and I just Googled it versus going to Zoom's, like, actual FAQ because it found the answer way quicker. And there were videos and all those things. So It's that SEO. Mm-hmm. It's that SEO for the website. I mean, we do the same thing for our own website. Like, I Google it and make sure, oh, did something come out? Like, is their results actually helpful to our clients and our, you know, people who use our product? If no, then I know I have to figure that out and put that on the website and make sure it's accessible and the SEO is there and all that, those things. But always do be careful if you find something on the internet, be careful not to copy anyone's work. Someone will probably notice and that's not what anyone wants, but We always say you can shamelessly steal and flip it to be your own. So just make sure you aren't stealing anyone's work. And if you are, make sure to give them credit. We do find blog articles that we like all the time, but we always give them credit if we are using it on our own website, on social, anything like that. Give credit where credit is due. The key there is to take inspiration, right? Like think of Pinterest. Like you're going to go on Pinterest, you're going to pin things. You find things you want to do. Obviously, your house, your decor, your cook, whatever it is, might not be set up exactly like that person's or your budget. So you have to maybe use dollar store hacks or things you can find. I don't know. Essentially, you have to take inspiration from it and find ways to turn it into your own. You essentially have to apply your own lens to it. And then it's okay. Um, You just can't full on steal people's work. That's frowned upon. Well, and your own lens is usually going to be like your own business goals, your own market or audience, because the chances of you finding something perfectly online that meets all the criteria and things that you need is pretty slim. And chances are, if you were to copy that, it's not going to be relevant and it's going to be super obvious that you copied something. So it's that inspiration piece. And I think that also like ties into the another aspect, which is like, don't just do exactly what you're told. Like take like inspiration from the people that you're working with and really find ways to go above and beyond and critically think through what's being asked of you and figure out how you can ensure that what you're delivering is what is needed. And that's where some of these inspirational things can come into play because most of the time I know for us, like when we're giving our interns projects, we don't want them to be a robot who just kind of goes through the motions and puts something together. We want them to really think through it and make something their own and build something that they're proud of. So keep that in mind and make sure that whatever you're presenting or delivering as your project deliverable, that it's something you're willing to stand by. 
that you're willing to say like, yeah, I did this and this is why, and here was my approach. And um, I think that just shows a lot of initiative and it also shows your critical thinking skills. And if you do exactly what you're told, it can actually get really frustrating for your manager or your, or whoever was overseeing you simply because they probably didn't give you all the details like, or else they wouldn't be giving you the project. If they already had all the details and all everything figured out, they would just go do it themselves. So something to keep in mind. Yeah. And you don't need all of those nitty gritty details to be able to be creative and come up with that deliverable. But one of the most important things is making sure you understand the goal or objective of the task that you are assigned. So if you ask yourself, what are we trying to get out of this? And you can't answer that. That's probably a situation where you want to go back to your manager and say, I would just like to confirm the goal that we are trying to accomplish here or the task we are trying to accomplish here is X. Because if you guys aren't aligned on what the goal is, then the chances of you providing something that your manager is looking for are pretty slim. And to be fair, if they don't set you up with that and if you don't, so you should be responsible to ask the question, but sometimes that's a skill that takes time to learn. So if your manager isn't providing you that, that is something that you kind of need to be set up for success. So don't be afraid to ask that question. And if they don't provide it to you, that is a little bit on them. So, so it is a two-way street. And if they don't know the answer of that question, I would ask them why you're doing the project in the first place. <laughs> Be careful how you word that, but yes. I think what we're trying to say here is, let's say someone asked you to research some vendors. Before you start on that task, they might not have given you a spreadsheet that you need to fill out. So you need to think through some critical pieces of information you need. Essentially, they're going to want to know the vendor name, the contact info, the pricing details, like any specific logistical questions or details based on how the vendor would interact with the company. You just need to think through that information and how you're going to display it in the format. It's okay to ask, you know, if they have any additional questions they want to know from the vendor because you want to make sure you're asking as much up front as you can. And then you want to make sure you're documenting it in a way or a format that makes sense for the person who's going to be reviewing it. Having had, like, I think we've all given a project to an intern and it didn't come back in either a format or a way that was easily accessible or readable. And that just honestly creates more work for us, in which case we wish we had just done the project ourselves. So don't create more work for the person that you're trying to help out. I actually have a story here when I was an intern. So I think that we've made it very clear by now in all these episodes that attention to detail is not my strength. And... <laughs> I've gotten better and it's obviously critical for our jobs. However, I got called out on this so hard one time during a project when I was an intern. And I remember receiving the email from my manager who basically was like, I don't have time to review your work and make sure that you have all like everything, like, like all the little details, like consistency in my like grammar and my punctuation and all that because she was like I don't have time to review that like I need you to step up and like correct this and blah 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 and I was like Ooh, like I think I might have I might have cried I was at home by myself when I received the email so I might have cried 
but like it was harsh and like but I needed to hear that because what that made me do obviously is like before I sent her anything I like reviewed everything for those specific things that she was calling out and saying like okay do I have this figured out do I have this did I review this like and I really made like a concerted effort to go above and beyond and make sure I had those things correct because it was true. I was making her job harder and that's not fair to her and that's not what they're paying me for. I think one thing that that person could have done differently though is not have sent you that email because I think, I mean, it was memorable. Yeah, it was memorable. You remember everything. You made sure to do those extra steps later. Like it worked, but maybe as an intern, that was a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the critical conversations I would definitely recommend to have in person and just have that like meeting. It doesn't have to be like super official. It's just like walk them through why, like when it comes from an email, it's just it's like, ah, this person hates me. Like you just take a different perspective anyways from an email. So I'm, glad, I'm so glad you said that page because in hindsight, that was the first time that it had been brought up to me. And second of all, it was an email. It really should have been a conversation where she just pulled me aside and said, like, hey, for example, here are some of the things that I really need you to pay a little bit more attention to going forward. Like, that absolutely would have been the right approach. Yeah, agreed. Also, don't be afraid. If that's something you're not comfortable with receiving as an intern, in my opinion, don't be afraid to tell that person and like later on. I did this with one of our bosses. I had a really not great meeting. I did not really respect the content that was coming out. I thought it was, you know, just too far. And so afterwards I followed up with him. I was like, hey, I don't receive this type of feedback very well. These are the types of things that I would like to do going forward to receive this feedback. And he took those and he was really receptive of it. So, I mean, don't be abrasive, but just be like coming from it. Like, hey, this kind of hurt my feelings. Like, could we try and talk to, talk to me about this with, you know, a recurring meeting every week, making sure that I'm hitting these touch points that you want, like making a little bit better for both parties. Yeah. So if you're on the internship side, be sure to tell people how you want to receive feedback. And if you're the person in charge of an intern, be sure to have those crucial conversations in person. No one wants to receive an email like that because you can't read the tone or the sass or you're going to read sass regardless of whether it's there or not. And people do. Oh, there was sass. There was (laughs) <laughs> there was no smiley face in the and ex, I can't say exclamation points for yeah. Katie and Kelly. I mean, Charlotte, you probably had that internship like ten years ago at this point, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was it was over ten years ago. It was yeah, it had to have been at least eleven or twelve years ago at this point. And, and I still remember where I was when I received it, where I was in my apartment, what the email was, who I received it from. Oh yeah, it was it was brutal. That's so um, sad because she doesn't remember even sending it. Fast for she probably doesn't even remember. And she's a super nice person. Like she's literally a great human being, but we were on a deadline. I delivered something to that. Like she didn't have the time and then she was probably under stress. And like, you also don't know what's going on in other people's schedules or lives either. But I agree that if you are overseeing an intern and somebody does tell you, I guess it just goes for management in general. But if you are overseeing somebody and they share with you how they would prefer to receive feedback, make sure you listen to that and take and like actually absorb that and use that because the worst thing you could do is have somebody share how they want to receive feedback and then totally ignore that and do something that doesn't work for them and is abrasive or uncomfortable. It's really funny because our next tip is actually don't slack on the details. (laughs) So it's really ironic that, uh, 
got like, what I got reamed out for. <laughs> comes full circle. It all comes full circle. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, Charlotte, your story set us up perfectly for number four, which is don't flag on the details. It's really important not to overlook the small things and to just pay attention to the details. Unfortunately, as an intern, I feel like you're given most likely probably very detailed projects. Unfortunately, A, because maybe the person in charge doesn't want to do them themselves or they're just very tedious and time consuming, which that means they can be broken down into small tasks, but you have to be on top of your details. Otherwise, the whole, I don't know, the whole thing could just fall apart, right? If you're not paying attention to the things you need. So I think I struggle with this, but it's really difficult for me to delegate, delegate, not delicate, delegate tasks to other people. I oftentimes have like a right or a certain way I like things to be done. Obviously, that's not the only way. But if you're an intern, you need to take that into consideration of how someone wants something done. You can obviously always offer input and suggestions for improvement if they have a process. But I think it's best if you start with the process that they have outlined and go from there and then build upon it to make it something better in the end. The biggest thing there is like really just do it in a way that makes their life easier. So like Sarah said, follow their process to start out and build from there. And if you have ways to make it better, like earn their trust and earn like that reliability, and then they will trust you to take it to the next level. So there is like that beginning process where you kind of have to prove that you can do the job and that you're capable of doing things in the way that they want you to. And then you're going to be granted a lot more flexibility to do things maybe the way you want to do them or in a way that's different that might be better. To help with making sure you don't have anything fall through the cracks, we would definitely recommend creating a checklist or having some type of project management tool. Like we love Asana. We talk about it all the time. They have free versions if your company doesn't have it right now or not willing to pay for it. You can add all of your tasks in there. You can show your progress. You can check it off and it goes flying away like little, it has a little unicorn across the screen. It's fun. But it helps to make sure that you hit all those touch points because you don't want to lose any details. And like you want to make sure that you come across like you know your shit. Like you're there to be a, a fantastic intern, help them, all that. So. And if you are a manager of an intern or if you are an intern that does anything involving writing or PR, from my previous experience, I have learned not to assume anything. Like Charlotte, I vividly remember a time when I fucked up and it wasn't a huge deal. I don't even remember what the article was about, but... I was doing a press release about a girl that was in high school and it was something about a, like she had already committed to a college. I don't remember if it was sports, that's irrelevant, whatever. But I assumed that she was a senior and she was getting ready to go into college, but she was in fact a junior. And I had written in the article that she was a junior or that she was a senior, but she was really a junior. So I had messed up what year she was in. And is it the end of the world? No, it's such a small detail, but I assumed like, oh, she committed to a college. She's probably a senior being going to college next year. And it ended up being an article about my boss's daughter. And after, and I don't know if she didn't Whoops. review it or what happened, but it was wrong. And it made it worse that it was her daughter. She was very nice about it. She wasn't mad at all. But she was like, oh, weird. The article said she's a senior, but she's a junior. 
And I was like, oh, fuck, that's my fault. I just assumed. So when they say don't make an ass out of you and me, really don't do that. (laughs) That's hilarious. But what I'm going to say on top of that is I'd rather someone spend a really long time on one project doing it really well. Like if you're an intern, I mean, not that people don't want you to get through a lot of projects, but it's better to go slow and steady or be the tortoise like we like to say and do a really good job then fly through a ton of projects and check off all the boxes really quickly without checking your details or your facts or making sure you're doing a good job like as an intern just do a good job and i think that's that'll get you through no task mastering uh, it makes me think of when you just used this example earlier about building a vendor list of you know for a client you know to give out to your boss or something Maybe they don't even have something like that, or you can build out and make it even better. So going forward, they have this great thing that you spent and put all this detail in of all these little things about this vendor. So it's like you can take something very small and make it big and make it a very detailed project where then they can use that moving forward. Well, and Kelly, to build on that, one of the interesting things is, is too, is if you create yourself like a checklist or use a project management tool, it's one of the ways that you can make sure that you're hitting all of the things that you needed to accomplish. Then you can go above and beyond from there. Because if you kind of go like above and beyond and create something and do something, but it misses some of the key points that they initially wanted you to complete, you're still missing the mark, even though you may have gone above and beyond in other ways. So it's like, check those boxes first. As much as I hate to say check the boxes, because I always think people who just go check the boxes are like, I don't know, underachievers, but like, yeah, you just check the box, but, but make sure you do check all the boxes and then go above and beyond from there. Instead of like, don't be a basic bitch. Don't be a basic box checker. (laughs) I love that. I was just thinking if you start to do a great job, you're most likely going to be given more responsibility because in the beginning, you're probably going to be getting those smaller projects, those one-offs, something that you can kind of have little details checked off. But if you prove that you've been doing a really good job, they're going to be able to let you do other things and push you to do more strategic things too. I had an internship that was 11 months. And in the beginning, it was those little, little projects. You know, I was like, okay, check the box, check the box. And then I proved myself. So I was able to do a lot bigger items. Paige, what you were saying about having the freedom when you were an intern to try new things and kind of do some of the things that you wanted to do, I think that comes into play when interns really start asking good questions and seeking to understand how their role helps achieve business goals, because that can provide you a bigger picture of the business and how the work you're doing contributes contributes to those like larger picture goals that the business has. And it will help you stay inspired because you know that the projects and the work that you're doing actually make a dent and help move things forward. Because nobody wants to just be doing work that they don't think anybody cares about or doesn't have an impact. That's step number five, by the way. I think one of the benefits of doing that, Charlotte, is that let's say you're not able to remain on with the company for forever, right? So you're probably going to have to do some other interviews in the future. You'll be able to articulate how your experience and your efforts directly aligned with the business goals. And you can show that you have some kind of strategic business business understanding 
people would love to see that. They'd love to see that you have a bigger picture in mind and that you're thinking strategically. So it is important to understand the goals and how what you are actually doing aligns with it. And it just gives you that larger purpose and reason to keep going. Because sometimes, I don't know about you guys, but we have given interns some tedious, monotonous tasks and it can be hard to keep researching contacts online or finding email addresses. And sometimes you have to figure out how to connect that to what the business is actually trying to accomplish to give yourself a little more purpose. And on the flip side, let's say that they do want to bring you on after your internship. If you've already invested into their business goals, that's going to help you grow within that company if they bring you on afterwards. Yes, it positions you really well to like to move up the ladder or move into uh, leadership roles or promotions or what have you when you can show that strategic connection to the work that's being done. Uh, So that probably leads us into step number six, which is contribute and ask good questions. I think we've probably brought this up a few times already about asking questions just because that's a really good thing to do when you can ask the right questions. But in this context, I think we're saying, like, make sure you're joining in on conversations and brainstorm sessions and be an active participant and collaborator, because not only does that help, you know, help you share your ideas, but it shows that you're willing to work and be part of a team and that you also have some confidence in your ideas, even if they're bad ideas. Don't be afraid to speak up. A lot of times I think we've seen interns neglect to participate in brainstorming. They tend to sit back and listen. They might have a good idea or they might bring a new perspective to the table. Don't underestimate what your outside perspective can bring when you're inside an organization. Because a lot of times people are in an organization for a very long time and sometimes they lose that outside perspective. So that's actually an advantage for you. So think about how you can leverage that and help the team by bringing that to the table. I think, Charlotte, that that's a great point. One of the most valuable parts of being an intern is that fresh perspective. There's so many employees or people who are maybe overwhelmed doing their daily work or they have a lot on their plate where they might have they might have an idea that seems just so out of this world and like unimaginable because they have so much work that they're doing already that the thought of, I don't know, doing something new or hosting an event to bring in leads just sounds so exhausting that they might not even think of that. They might not even throw it out in a brainstorm session anymore because they've already crossed it off. They've said, I can't handle that right now. But an intern with that fresh perspective and that drive ready to grind, like maybe that's something that the company really needs. And maybe that's something that you could head up. But I I would definitely say that that fresh perspective is one of the most valuable things that an intern can bring to the table. For sure, because not even if somebody's already just too busy with what they're already doing, people get stuck in a routine of this is how my day goes. This is what I do all the time. So they don't even start thinking outside because they come in they're like, this is I just nine to five. This is what I got to do. I get my stuff done. I'm not even trying to think about how it could be done easier, could be done more effective or anything like that. So those new perspectives definitely help. I mean, students just coming out of college or in college. They use different tools. They have different perspectives of companies. Like 
there's a lot of different things that this generation is able to help contribute to us because we've been doing the same thing. This is our day to day. Like we have our projects, we check them off, but like their perspective is invaluable. So at the end of the day, make sure that you're sharing instead of sitting back in the, the end, like the back of the classroom or whatever, put everything on whiteboard and just kind of throw ideas up because it could be really valuable and they could really show, oh, you're, you could be a great intern to hire because of your ideas. Making us sound old, Paige. People of our generation. <laughs> our 20s and 30s. <laughs> I'll be the double devil's advocate here and just say, make sure you're not overstepping your boundaries as an intern and that you're not correcting other people. You can still contribute your ideas, but it's important not to tell someone who's worked in the industry for a long time or at the company for a long time just be careful that you don't rub them the wrong way because they do know the ins and outs and the ins and outs and nuances of the company. And if you're making them feel like they don't know what they're talking about, they're not going to have very much respect for you or your opinions. And so that's a surefire way to get yourself shut down and shot down very quickly. So make sure you're like feeding things little by little as you go. And if you aren't sure how to come at it, then come at it from a place of curiosity and ask questions that help you seek to understand. So propose questions like ask, have we thought of doing this or X, Y, or Z to solve that? Make sure these statements kind of include people and don't put anyone on the spot. Didn't Mm -hmm. we have an intern that was at our company that did this where she like overstepped and we're like, hold up, like you've been here for like a month, maybe just like, you know, ask it as a question, not we should be doing this. It's like, there's a difference. There's a big difference between those two. So there's, there's that good in between in that middle that you should try and step into. There is definitely a few examples where we've seen this and what it did was it kind of shut down their organization. So I think we were at a point in time where we were looking to potentially hire some people and this person possibly could have had a full-time role after their internship. And it really shut down their own career progression. And to be honest, they weren't with us. They were with a different team. I'm not sure if anybody shared that feedback with them. Um, And if they didn't, shame on us and whatever for not sharing that. But it was a missed opportunity, most likely for this individual. And so it's something to be conscious of. And if you are shy or if you are a little concerned of overstepping, make sure that you can have that conversation with your leader or mentor, whoever it is that you're reporting to. Don't hesitate to bring it up in a one on one, whether it's an idea or something that you might or if you have concerns of overstepping, like you might be in a situation where you do have an aggressive individual in your brainstorming session who kind of, you know, takes over the conversation or what have you. And sometimes that can be intimidating. So find other ways to communicate with those that you're working directly with and and continue to share those ideas because there are other ways to do it. I really liked how Sarah said, maybe approach it more as like out of curiosity. Like, is there a reason we haven't tried X, Y, or Z? I think that's a great way to bring up your idea without saying, oh, I am cocky and I have the best best ideas because it's not your idea that would get you shut down. It's the way that you approach it that is the part that can be a little bit sensitive. So don't hold back your good ideas, but make sure you read the room. 
And there are situations there where you might have an opportunity to get recommendations from your leader on how to approach certain conversations or collaborative conversations, because they might have a way for you to navigate specific individuals or certain personalities or what have you. So having that one-on-one discussion can be really helpful. And we definitely recommend taking their recommendations in more ways than one. So step number seven is take their recommendations. So for example, we as a team share books and podcasts and other resources to help that we want our interns to take advantage of. So if you do receive ideas or resources or things for you to dive into to help progress your professional development, take advantage of those. Don't ignore them because you're really missing out on an opportunity if you do. I think one of the first things I did when I joined the team now, I think it was a little bit over two years ago, was I asked you guys if there were any newsletters or daily blog digests or something like that, that the rest of the team enjoyed. So then that way I knew what content you guys were receiving. I knew what content you liked and it gave us something to talk about when I was working on some current projects. So if you're looking for a way to connect with your team and start out on a good foot, I think that's a great question to ask or start out on the right step. Start right out on a good foot. Whatever. <laughs> step, you know what I mean? We also did a book club, if you guys remember, where we all picked like our own books that we were wanting to like rotate after we had read them. And we kind of shared some highlights and stuff every week. So definitely leverage those um, because it can kind of build some meaningful conversations and it will make your relationship as a team stronger. If you're passionate about your career, I assume you'll continue to educate yourself. So hopefully you'll spend some of your free time reading marketing books or listening to podcasts. And they don't even have to be marketing books or podcasts. Like Charlotte and I, I think we have some recommendations, but we've read a lot of things that are about either professional development or how to establish some of your goals or things that provide insights on your personality so you can have better team dynamics or just even creating more powerful experiences for people. So if you're reading something and it strikes a chord with you, or you see some kind of correlation with what you're doing in your internship, feel free to bring that up. I think some of that talking about books you're reading can create some kind of connection and some kind of basis for you guys, for you to establish a better relationship and grow. I don't think it would be a complete episode if Sarah and Charlotte didn't mention which books that they were most currently reading or tips and tricks from one of the many of the books that they like to always discuss. So go ahead, go ahead and just toss them out there. Sarah, would you like to do the honors or do you want me to? I mean, I can read them off if you want to do the highlights. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. I see how this is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I actually, this is really bad. I haven't listened to any podcasts or read any books probably during quarantine. I think I just kind of, everything got to be a little bit too much and I haven't been going out in the world. So I haven't been listening to my Audible. So I was just thinking about how not smart I feel right now because I haven't been reading anything new or learning anything new and it's starting to kind of get to me. So you need a dog. I get all of my like podcasts and stuff in when I walk the dog. We're getting a fence built in December so that we can get the dog. I have a correction. You need a dog that walks because I have a dog. So my dog hates walks. 
So, therefore, I'm not listening to any Audible books. You chose the wrong dog. I think that's appropriate for me to share my latest purchase then, because, so, for those who may not know, we host, with our, our company that we work for, we host a large summit at the end of October. And it's a large project that usually consumes a lot of my time, Sarah's time, and Paige's time, and Kelly and Katie are supporting roles in this. And it's like, it's big. It's a summit. It, it, there's not a lot of organizers. We do, we build it from the ground up. And so Matt and I decided to take a little vacation afterwards. It takes place on October 26th and 27th. And I'm going to go on vacation later that week. We chose to go hiking up in the upper peninsula of Michigan. And we're going to bring our dogs with us. And I have one dog that just chooses when she wants to walk and when she doesn't. She is 100% capable of it. Like she, she's capable, very, very capable, but she's very stubborn. So I recently bought her a dog backpack. It actually came in today and I am so excited to put her little potato body in this backpack and carry her around. Like I cannot wait. Some people might not not know that you have corgis, so I would just... Yeah, I have corgis, so they're just, like, little nuggets, like, I'm just gonna, like, I'm gonna put her in, like, a little McDonald's nugget box, I don't know, like, it's like, I'm so excited to put her in it, I haven't done it Can we get pictures of this when it happens? Oh, 100%. Actually, a video, can we have a video of the, like, corgi (laughs) insertion into the backpack? Because that seems the best to me. Yes. This I think we like, should have left the breed anonymous because I really would have liked to picture or to have people picturing Charlotte carrying like a Great Dane in a backpack. <laughs> it has a 40 pound uh, limit to it. So I don't think a Great Dane, plus my shoulders would hurt really bad. Bummer. But there is, you do have to insert the arms of the dog like into holes because it keeps them kind of like positioned in the bag and the arms kind of go like over your shoulders, so to speak. And, of course, like, her legs are so short, right? She's a corgi, so, like, they're going to, like, go through the little armholes. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. This is one of those expectation versus reality things. Like, (laughs) I really need both pictures. Well, and I was Googling pictures and, like, reviews to see if anyone had a corgi that has used the bag and which model was best. Because they do have long backs and, like, they're, they're prone to back injuries and stuff. So I got the one with like the reinforced l- enforced lumbar reinforced that's word reinforced lumbar support, and I saw pictures of lots of corgis in this backpack, and they're all like smiling and happy and licking their owner's face and doing all these cute things, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if this is how this is going to go. I'm sure Olivia will like, appreciate the lumbar support. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's gonna tolerate it for like five minutes, and that's. I let, let's make bets. How long do you guys think she'll last in the bag? I say five minutes. I think longer. From mere talks about on walks where she just gives up and she just wants to stop, I think she's going to love it that she gets to go and see things with none, none of the effort. I think Kelly's right. I think she's going to take advantage of it. She's super smart, and she knows that if I pick her up and carry her, that, like, oh, if I just stop walking, she'll carry me. Like, she, yeah, she knows. She'll probably intentionally, once she uses it the first time, she'll probably intentionally stop walking just so I'll put her in the backpack. Have you ever carried her on your back before, though? No, just in my arms. Like, it's so funny because we live on, like, a busy road, too. So when she stops on our walks and, like, I'm, like, trying to, like, drag her along, like, she puts the brakes on. She, like, absolutely will not go anywhere. 
And uh, so I'll pick her up and carry her. And she's happy as can be. Like, she has this huge smile on her face. Like, people yell out of their cars at us all the time. They're like, corgis! And, like, and she's just, like, this happy little creature. And she likes being carried. Are you going to do test walks around with <laughs> backpack to get her prepared? Yeah, I'm going to have to. So. She sounds like a good. little evil genius. Yeah, she kind of is. But she's too cute. I have to look past the evil geniusness of it. I cave. But anyway, I forget where we started with that. But I was asking you guys to tell us about the books. How did we get from books to corgis? I feel like there must have been something here. Oh, oh we were no. talking about not going on walks and how Pablo doesn't walk. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Audible because she doesn't have a dog. Yep. Did he, Pablo needs a backpack now, too. You guys could be like doggy pack backpack twins. Pablo is too heavy for me to carry on my back. He looks small, but he is a cinder block. Like, How heavy is he? He was 30 pounds at his last vet appointment. He's probably over 30 now. Oh, wow. He weighs more than Olivia and Atlas do. Yeah. Can you have a baby in the front and the ba- a doggy in the back? Like, is that like a thing? <laughs> It'll balance you out. <laughs> that or just get the, the stroller that has two spots in it there so that Pablo goes in one and Stella's in the other. He would love that. There's someone in our neighborhood who doesn't have a kid. Well, I mean, I assume not. They don't bring the kid on the walk. But they have a stroller, and there's a dog in the stroller. And is I laugh every single time. I'm like, okay, do you do you, man? Katie, her back and, like, all of her, like, vertebrae would just collapse. <laughs> she had, like, Stella and Pablo on her, like. I would just be shorter every time you guys saw me, like. Like, all, like, the cartilage between my vertebrae would just, like, slowly disintegrating. You don't have a lot of height to, like, save either. Yeah, I'd be under five foot for sure after that happened. Sorry, this is still not on topic, but I was going to say, I can handle the dogs in a stroller. I don't know why, but cats in a stroller crack me up. There's a Chewy commercial right now that's, like, did you, like... That's where I got this thing, and they like show the cat in the stroller, and I just can't handle it for some reason. There's a lady in the neighborhood I grew up in that used to like walk her cat in like a cage. Like I swear she put the cat in a guinea pig cage and like like drug it around in like a wagon or something like that. <laughs> oh, she didn't put it on wheels. I'm imagining a cage on wheels. <laughs> I am too. I mean, essentially, that's what it was. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So I do take I my cat outside on a leash, but like I would never put her in a cage and like like <laughs> roll her around on a walk in the neighborhood. No. My cat Leo loves being outside. He would live out there if he wasn't white and expensive. We used to walk him as a kitten because he loved being outside. I was like, all right, fine. He started going and you know, around on the paths and stuff. I don't do it anymore because I was I would be judged by my neighbors for sure. I'm already the crazy cat lady, so had to stop that but anyways should we get back to it guys we probably should so books books the books we have on our list here are start with why insight switch and power of moments and i actually would add to this list the infinite game because that does help you gain a lot of perspective on how you play the long game in business versus working for short-term gains crucial conversations Oh, that's a good one, too. Especially for intern. Yeah. But did anybody actually finish reading that book? Because yeah. I never did. 
It yeah, doesn't. I thought it was a good one to mention, maybe. It's a good one. Maybe listen to it as an audiobook. I don't know. I haven't tried that. It does have the good chapter on, like, seeking to understand, which I think is probably, obviously, I didn't finish reading the book, but I assume the critical part of it. It can be a little dry to read. I would recommend Audible, and it would probably go by pretty quickly. You could also look If you're a designer, I recommend How to Think Like a Great Graphic Designer. It's a pretty basic title, but it actually, it's one of my favorites, so look at that one, too. That's a good, yeah, that's a good one, Paige. Not that I've read it, but it sounds like it would break things. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I've read it, but it's a great recommendation. (laughs) Great recommendation. Totally haven't read it. The other thing I was going to say about Crucial Conversations, too, is there's a lot of resources out there on the internet, if you Google it, that talk about Crucial Conversations and are good summaries of that book, too, and cover the key points. So if you don't want to read the book and it is a little dry, you can find resources like that for it. We also have had memberships that we have invested in. One of them was Masterclass. They have a lot of people in business or people of different crafts. And they interview them and they do masterclasses on their craft. So they have people like Sarah Blakely out there talking about entrepreneurship and a lot of other really cool people. I binged on it. So then I ran out of ones that were relevant to my job. And then I was like, okay, we could probably, you know, end the membership. But then I also recommend Create and Cultivate. We went to that conference that you guys probably listened to in episode two, I want to say three. Okay, episode three. They have great content on things for women in business. They have a lot of blog posts, they have conferences, so go check them out there too. And then of course, since we have a podcast, we actually really like podcasts. Like we said, quarantine, I think, has impacted podcast listening a little bit, but Boss Project is still one that I'm a big fan of. They definitely dive into the ins and outs of their business. They do a lot of talking talk about marketing and lead gen and adding value to your customers and that kind of stuff. So I definitely really enjoy that one, and I still listen to it when I hop on the treadmill, which is becoming more and more sporadic and less frequent these days, but I try. I really like, I don't know if this is as related, but how I built this, I feel like was a really good one, just to get you thinking about how people came up with their business ideas and how they launched them, and sometimes it talks a little bit about their marketing strategy or how they grew their customer base. Charlotte, I think you've talked about a couple other ones. You mentioned like a recent one that I don't know if you, I don't know. You mentioned a recent one, but then there was another one with like Lorenzo. What's their name? I forget. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Leadership. Hacking Your Leadership. So yeah, Hacking Your Leadership is actually a really good one. It's put together by two, two guys who specialize in managing people in retail environments but over the course of their years and they're both like certified SHRM I don't know what all the SHRM certifications are the Society for Human Resource Management they have a bunch of different certifications and are very qualified to be talking about these things and I think I really like their approaches because they are very empathetic and they lead with that so that's a really good one too it's called yeah hacking your leadership there was a couple others that I really like. Oh, recently I did find an account management podcast, which isn't directly tied to marketing, but there are a lot of elements of account management that are obviously customer relations and adding value and the right way to approach conversations with clients and things like that. Unfortunately, I feel like they 
oh, they did just add a new episode. They post their episodes a little bit inconsistently. They don't have a good cadence, but it's not the greatest podcast in terms of entertainment, but the takeaways that I've gotten from it are really good. Like there's some really good nuggets there that I've taken and used. So I would recommend that one. It's called, I think it's just called Account Management, A Tactical Guide to Success. Yeah, not very creative title, but <laughs> straightforward. And I was looking through my phone and found a few more of Strategy Hour, Work Party, the Gold Digger podcast. All of those are kind of strategic of like, they're all women that are speaking. They're showing things about like women in business, creative fields, marketing. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's another good one to kind of listen after you listen to us first, obviously. (laughs) The Strategy Hour podcast is the same thing as Boss Project. Boss Project are just like the people that run it and their podcast is called Strategy Hour. So those are the same thing. So if you're searching for those. All Um, right. Well, going and diving into number eight, this might be a given, but don't trash talk your team or the company. This is something that you might not know going into an internship if it's your first job, but if you are working on a company computer, a company email server, a company account, that IT team has access to most likely everything that you do on any of their programs. They can look up emails you receive, emails you send, your instant messages. So if there is something that you don't want people at your company to know, don't do it on a work program or on a work computer. If you need to vent about something, vent to your roommate, vent to your significant other, vent to someone over the phone, don't put it in writing. Please don't learn it the hard way will find out and you probably will get addressed about it and you likely didn't mean what you said the way you said it if you said it out of anger so i received advice one time if you're going to send an angry email write it delete it don't send it clearly what katie's saying is this has happened to us as an intern and she may have not talked great about us individually or as a company and we were given those emails and ims after she left because that's what you do you want to review everything you know it's just standard procedure at most companies and we saw them and it wasn't really the greatest feeling we didn't have a good taste in our mouth let's just say it wasn't it wasn't necessarily that we were given them we were given access to her like inbox in her conversations and we were searching it to try to find where she left off on a few projects and somehow when you do some searching things come up and then you click into them because you're like oh this is weird I don't know what this is and it was just obviously she had already left the company so whatever no big deal for her internship but it can affect your recommendations It can affect anything in your future. Like you don't know how connected those people are, if they were going to recommend you for something else or make a connection with someone else. It's important not to ever write someone or a company off because you might need those people in the future. And it's really hard to go back and ask them for a recommendation if they found that you were shit talking them the whole time. And most likely if you're interviewing for another job, you're going to give them your resume and they're going to want to reach out to your most recent job before this or your internship so if they're going to contact those people and they're going to have this you know to say about them 
probably not the best thing. Like just really touched on the point of don't ever put it in writing. Make sure that this is like the private thoughts or private conversations outside of work. You can be friends with people at work. We're friends with all of us. We're coworkers, friends. Sometimes we think we're a little more than friends. We're family. But we don't have those conversations negatively and put that out into the world. You know, like it's a whole nother realm. So, sorry. Well, and to be very honest, so I wrote this individual a very nice recommendation letter. And she had copies of it so she could use those in her interviews and whatnot. But it, I obviously I couldn't go take those back. But if somebody had called me, I actually would have mentioned and I would have brought this up and I would have used this in my conversation with the individual that was looking for recommendations. Unfortunately, it was probably just a lapse in judgment. But the way in which things were said and the information we saw, like, it's not somebody that I would ever want on my team. And therefore, it's not somebody I would recommend somebody else have on their team. So it could have potentially hurt her in the long run. I think this individual was very fortunate that they had already received a very positive recommendation letter upon them leaving the organization. So so definitely keep it in mind and know that everything does come out at some point in time, usually, especially if you're putting things on company servers and Yeah, and just to clarify or, I don't know, give additional information about security and what IT teams are capable of now, you might already know, but typically there are trigger words that an IT team will set for, like, notification. So it might make you feel safe to know this, but if there's any words, like, involving any type of assault or anything, like, negative, like, and I'm not trying to throw like bomb out there or anything, but like you, usually that is a trigger word that your IT team would have flagged because unfortunately in today's world, that is something that they have to do in order to keep their employees safe. So your IT team is capable of a lot of things and just shit talking is one of the very small things that they are capable of. So I don't know, that might bring you comfort. It might bring you fear. I don't know, but just so you know, they can see anything they want to really. I have a very funny story about something getting flagged by IT. Back in the day, my cousin actually brought me into the company that we were, that I work at now. And she used to send emails, like she met them in very like nice ways, but she used the word vagina and cock in, in, in two separate emails that totally got flagged by IT because she was writing about the vagina monologues to someone like sending whatever we send personal emails like throughout sometimes but she was talking about vagina monologues and then we used to we do olympics and for some reason her team i don't know they were animals or something and so she was talking about the cock of the rock which is like a or cock on the rock i don't know it's a bird it's like a tropical bird if you go google it maybe not on your um work computer because it might flag some things i'm but slightly like, nervous like, she got flagged for those words and she like ran over to IT and was like I'm so sorry I didn't mean that like because I think she got sent back a notification that said it was under review I actually got flagged the other day guys I did because I was sending credit card information (laughs) over 
Let's just say we've all had this. We've all yeah, had it. And they're like, please don't do this. Be there. You'll get in trouble for sure. Yeah, it was in a PDF because they asked because we were paying for a sponsorship and I like filled out the credit card information and I didn't send the email securely. And literally our IT team has made it super simple for us to send secure emails. You literally can put hashtag secure in the te- in the subject line and it will automatically encrypt your email for you. What? Yeah, right. I didn't know that. I was like, Why I can't find this? my secure. Yeah. So you can just put hashtag secure in the whatever subject line and it will encrypt your email. I'm but probably so- going to do it wrong. And they're going to be like, flash. <laughs> Oh, and I got this email from our compliance person and was like, we flagged this email and it didn't send because it looks like there is sensitive information, a.k.a. credit card info in the PDF. And I was like, mm. <laughs> I was like, I would definitely know better. Like, <laughs> Well, even like if you're saying they're flagging things, they can still like read different things and they can see oh. all that stuff. So like even in our IM conversations like years ago, we would always just write like, Hi, so-and-so, like, is the IT person, because we're like, they're probably also reading our IM conversations. That scares me, but yes. So, I will say, in your defense, Charlotte, a lot of exhibitors have not gotten with the 21st century and do not allow you to easily pay things online with a credit card. I remember when I first started, I used to have to fax credit card information. Probably also not secure. I don't know where it's going. I feel like you never get a confirmation that your fax was sent, but... I definitely have done some sketchy things. Agreed. Agreed. But I agree with you 100% that like exhibitors and event vendors have not kept up with the times, especially in our industry. I feel like the industry we work in lags a little bit in terms of their their innovation or digital footprint. So, so we definitely still get a lot of paper forms to fill out, which is crazy, but it's definitely true. And you'll probably run into a few of those as well. So make sure that you always... All IT teams do have a way to securely send things. So just make sure you understand and know what those are too, because you don't want to get flagged. So to wrap this up, I think just to recap some of our key takeaways here, we said, number one, be willing to learn. Number two, be coachable. Number three, be a problem solver. Number four, don't slack on the details. Don't get a nasty email from your manager like I did when I was an intern. And she shouldn't be sending you nasty emails anyway. But five, seek to understand your role and the impact of your role on the business as a whole and the business goals. Contribute and ask questions. Ask good questions. Ask clarifying questions. Make sure you Google things first if you have basic or simple questions or more tactical questions. Number seven, take their recommendations. If they recommend resources to you or learning opportunities or what have you, take advantage of those and use those to your advantage. And then number eight, trash talk your team or company because you never know how it's going to impact you and your future. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode and you can take your internship and be the best, most memorable one yet. So if you're wondering how to support the show and if you love our podcast, please leave us a review. We would love to have reviews on there. We have a couple. We yeah, have we a couple. We, we've been getting some DM reviews, but if you could put it on any of the Spotify, Apple, Google podcasts, we would really, really love that. So thank you in advance. Also, share it with your friends, family, enemies, literally whoever else you think would enjoy the Wine and Whiteboards podcast because we talk about wine, marketing, design, all of those fun things. And we're also looking for new listeners to add to our little wolf pack. So cheers. Cheers.
Cheers. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. For show notes, links, templates, and other resources, visit our Instagram page at Wine and Whiteboards Podcast. And while you're there, follow us to get more hacks and occasional wine-themed humor. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a minute to leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you can continue listening to our marketing tips and design tips. Cheers! Cheers.